History shows again and again how nature points out the folly of man. It's Shin Godzilla. Thousand Wives of Weird podcast, a podcast about everything weird. Uh, my name is Billy Martell, and with me is Brad Hefner. I'm Brad Hefner. There he is. This week was my pick for the movie, and uh, this is a movie that I've been a fan of for, well, pretty much ever since it came out. Uh, Shin Godzilla, the most recent live-action Japanese Godzilla film. Uh, and this is the first time that Brad's seen it. Yes, I, I'm not a. I've not seen a Godzilla movie since. Oh, you showed me a Godzilla movie. Oh that yeah, it was like a clip show Godzilla about a young boy with no friends who hung out with an old man. Oh, yeah, and he he dreamed about uh, Godzilla's baby boy, and him hanging out. And That's saw right. Godzilla fight people. Yeah, that was a that was a terrible movie. I yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, I enjoyed it from the terrible aspect. What what was that called? I'm really trying to remember, and I have no idea. <laughs> it's, it was it wasn't Son of Godzilla because that was the one that came right before it. The Godzillas must be crazy. I <laughs> yeah, it was called the Godzillas must be crazy. I don't actually it, it Godzilla fans out there will know what movie I'm t- what movie's talking about. It's it's a very strange movie. It's the it, whatever it was. It was the movie that came right after Son of Godzilla. Okay, and it's uh, infamously terrible. Is it's, Godzilla a lady? No, Godzilla okay. is a, is is generally referred to as a dude if he's not referred to as being asexual as he is in this. He is particular asexual. Movie. He's yeah. a sexual dynamo. <laughs> no, Just he's fucking all over. Uh, okay. <laughs> Maybe we watched different Godzilla movies. Maybe I, I watched I, the wrong thing. I think you may have watched. Uh, I can't think of a good porno title for Shin Godzilla. Um, I don't know. Splooge Godzilla? I guess. It's not clever, <laughs> but we can go with it. There's not a lot about porn parodies that are clever. Half of them are just called Shin Godzilla the Triple X Parody. True, anymore, because you yeah. need to get the... If it's a pun, then you don't have the name recognition because you might not recognize it, so... Okay, so uh, Godzilla is obviously a very famous uh, giant monster movie. It's one of the first of the big kaiju films. In fact, it was made before Japan even had a word for kaiju. It was actually inspired by the American movie The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. Really? Yeah. Uh, That was a movie made in America with stop motion from... um, uh, What was it called? Stop motion from uh, Ray Ray Harryhausen. Yep, based on a story by Ray Bradbury about a dinosaur who's woken up by an atomic bomb. And starring Ray Liotta. Yes, exactly. It's the Triple Ray. It's the Triple Ray, or the, the, the deadly Triple Ray. And he attacks New York City. And uh, there was some Japanese producer who saw it, uh, went back to America, went back to Japan and said, we need to make something like this. At the time, there had been a very... He handed it off to a director named Ishiro Hondo, or Honda, who had just come... The whole country had come off of a nine to ten year moratorium on discussing the atomic bomb. For a good number of years after the end of the war, they were not allowed to produce any media criticizing America 
for discussing atomic bombs in any way. Now, was that a, an American condition, or was that by the Japanese government? Uh, that was an American condition. Gotcha. Yep. Fun. Wonderful. Yep. yep. Freedom of speech, everybody. Freedom of speech. If if you don't like people talking about bad things America have has done, this is not going to be the episode for you. This is not the show for you this in not- general. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, right around the time that they dropped that moratorium is around 1952. In 1954, a couple years later, uh, the U.S. started doing nuclear tests off the shore of Japan. As if Why not? We hadn't done enough to them, you know? This is like a Lifetime movie in about about an abusive husband. Yeah, this is the history of the Godzilla movie. They dropped a 15 megaton nuclear bomb on the island of Bikini Atoll, uh, which was, uh, they thought, far enough away from Japan, but they didn't think about, you know... Fishermen. Fishermen, fallout, any of that. So a bunch of dead fish start rolling up on Japan's shores... Fishermen start dying of horrible mutations and other things um, to, uh, caused by nuclear fallout. And the, J- the Japanese immediately like, what the hell, America? And America said, we didn't do nothing. And Japan said, yes, you fucking did. And America said, no, you can't prove it. And the Poland, of all people, came up and said, actually, we can prove it. We did the math. <laughs> and then Japan quickly, and then America quickly very privately sent some money to japan stopped testing for only like a couple years and then immediately started again but anyway so this is the political climate meanwhile ashira honda when he returned to japan after the war i guess he was in america for a while he returned to america japan after the war and he actually drove through the area that had been affected by the atomic bomb and was traumatized by that so when he was handed the assignment to make a giant monster movie about a dinosaur that had been woken up by an atomic bomb, he took the prompt uh, in a very different direction than Ray Bradbury and Ray Harryhausen had previously, where they had just been like, ooh, fun, atomic monster, blah. It's a lot more fun when your country hasn't been hit by an atomic Isn't bomb. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. They... You can laugh about it a little <laughs> bit more. <laughs> exactly. Ashira Honda turned it into a very dark, um, if you haven't seen the original Godzilla film, you would be surprised how not fun it is. That's what I've heard. I heard it's not campy at all. It's, it's no. a very bleak movie. But Incredibly. But when, when they recut it for American audiences, they added... They renamed it Godzilla King of the Monsters, uh, when originally it was spelled something more like Gojira, although I've been told that the actual Japanese pronunciation is more like Godzilla. Raymond Burr. It Raymond was a Ray. Yeah, the triple Ray. We finally got there. <laughs> we finally got the real triple Ray. But um, yeah. So, but yes, the, the original Japanese film is about as dark uh, of a movie as you can make. Like, they don't even show... Like, you, you, people are usually think of old Godzilla as, like, this guy with big anime eyes and, mm-hmm. like, kind of a friendly personality, a bobblehead. In the original movie, he's shown in almost complete shadow. He's just, like, this weird, skeletal, terrifying creature. And uh, it's someone described it to me recently as um, Godzilla destroys Tokyo just as the atomic bomb would have, but slower. So you get to see the effects. They they are they're melting toy cars and model cars and stuff like that with like blowtorches as part of the special effects. And 
uh, you see a mother holding her kids and saying, we'll be with your father soon as, as the buildings get crumbled and stuff. So like. Godzilla's going to, like, carry them to see their father exactly, in America? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. that's great. He's the friend to all children. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, and then when they moved it to America, uh, they did keep the movie mostly intact, but what they did was they added extra scenes uh, with Raymond Burr as an American reporter explaining the context for what was going on to the american audiences was the tone still intact actually it was oh okay you would be like a lot of people hear that and they think oh america was fucking up the movie at the time it was considered a way of preserving the film in order to preserve the film and make sure enough butts got in seats to see the movie at the time conventional wisdom said make sure you can put on the poster that an american actor is the lead that way Americans won't be scared to see the movie. So they just added those scenes so Raymond Burr can say, oh, so this is what's going on. Oh, so this is what's going on. This is what's going on. But otherwise, the tone is is maintained. Gotcha. So they, as stupid as it sounds now, at the time it was considered uh, a boon to the film. And it actually did end up getting a lot of butts and seats that way in America that uh, otherwise probably wouldn't have at the time. Raymond Burr is a big draw. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it was the 1950s. It's one of the most, is that fair to say, most racist times in our history? I mean, it was after slavery. It was. It was post-slavery. It I think w- most of America is racist. Most of American history is racist. That's a good point. Yeah. I don't think it's fair to try to... I don't think it's a fair. it's fair to American racism <laughs> to try to single out just one decade that is the most racist you're yeah yeah i think i think it would be hard to quantify anyway so yeah let's just say 50s were racist on some level so it may have been a good idea i don't know um i recommend looking up the original gohira or godzilla rather than uh, godzilla king of the monsters nothing ray raymond burr does a fine job but it's just better to watch the original i would imagine and it was actually, and, and uh, to more make my point, a lot of people think of Godzilla as very silly and campy these days, but the original Godzilla was considered a major thing for the studio. They were the same studio that was making Seven Samurai. They made it at the same time with a lot of the same cast members. Oh, was that Toho? That was Toho. I did not know. That was Toho. I've seen Seven Samurai, but I did not realize yep. that it was Toho. Yep, the head of the, 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 the bald samurai in that movie, the guy who's always rubbing his head, plays mm-hmm. the lead scientist in the Godzilla movie. Oh! Yeah. He mm-hmm. got promoted from samurai to scientist. Yeah, from samurai to scientist. To samurai-entist. And also, it was... Um, in, there, There's a lot of stuff that I know about Godzilla. I'm trying to keep myself on topic to this. Mm-hmm. But like, you can always pepper it in throughout. Okay. But there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of different stuff that's going on. But the point is... Um, they made this, they made this movie, it was a very serious movie to them, they sent it over to America, they were very proud of it, they were happy to have it, uh, dubbed and to have Raymond Burr in the movie as long as as many people saw it as possible, because to them this was a piece of art. Uh, it was incredibly financially successful both in the US and in, and in Japan, so they decided to immediately make a sequel. And they did have ideas to continue the, um the darker tone of it but the studio being a studio of any kind immediately was like we need to 
make our bottom line, make this movie as quickly as possible. Bam, 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 bam. So the script was rushed. All the money was the money was rushed. Special effects were bad, and the sequel ended up just being a giant monster movie where two monsters fight each other. And that was the start of the. The next one, they got a scriptwriter who didn't want to write uh, a serious giant monster movie. He thought the giant monsters were silly, so he wrote it as a comedy. They didn't care, and then Godzilla became a campy uh, monster bash fest throughout the rest of the '60s, '50s, and '70s. But yeah, that was the beginning of all of that. Well, that's that's important context. Thank you very much. No, no problem. But yeah, Godzilla has been going on. There, there are more Godzilla movies than Bond movies. Good. Yeah, there. It's it's just been going on forever and ever and ever. It's been rebooted several times. Uh, there have been a couple of American movies that we won't talk about because they all suck. I thought you enjoyed the, f- uh, not the Matthew Broderick Godzilla, but the. The second most recent American Godzilla. I did enjoy it. If you compare it to the Japanese ones, it still sucks. Okay. But as an American Godzilla movie, it's definitely the best of the three. It's just, in my opinion, as much as I love a lot of the interim Godzilla movies, uh, if you're looking for probably peak, dumb, fun Godzilla, check out Godzilla Final Wars. It is fucking insane and has Godzilla fighting every monster that he'd ever fought up to that point in the movie as well as fighting the Godzilla from the Matthew Broderick film. Oh. Who he kills in one hit. Nice. (laughs) Because Japan was that pissed off and then the alien who's controlling all the monsters turns to the camera and says I always knew that fish-eating lizard was worthless. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Fuck Matthew Broderick. (laughs) I know he wasn't responsible for the movie. No, but he fuck wasn't. Matthew Broderick. I know. He's a murderer. He is. Yes. And uh, he's consistently refused to make reparations to the family. He has. Yep. But anyway, uh, Google it. Anyway, um, so in the meantime, so so, uh, but the the new American Godzilla movies have been rather successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, the contract with Toho for Legendary Pictures to make their Godzilla films stated that Japan was under no obligation not to make any new Godzilla films. Apparently that contract has changed Oh, recently. Um, so they can't make... You can only make a Godzilla movie if you let us bomb you again. <laughs> Which seems unfair for a movie studio to demand that. <laughs> seems unfair. But yeah, Toho is not actually allowed to make another Godzilla film until 2021. Uh, because... Godzilla vs. King Kong should be coming out this year at some point. Are you excited for that at all? No. <laughs> you also like Kong Skull Island. I did like Kong Skull Island. Not because it was good, but because it was fun. It was fun. It was fun. It it Honestly, as stupid as it was, it's my favorite Kong movie. Because I went back and watched the original King Kong recently, and my god, that does not hold up. The original, original King original, Kong? Original, original. The 1930s one. Yeah, I can't imagine it does. No. How does the... Peter Jackson? How does the Peter Jackson King Kong hold up? Oh, it sucks. I've heard. It's fucking terrible. It's overlong, overwrought, and... What is your second favorite King Kong after Skull Island? Uh, Probably still the original, because it is the classic. Gotcha. It's what started the whole thing. Uh, it's still... Um, un- probably unknowingly, our- allegorically racist as fuck. I can see that. Yeah, uh, but it's um, and like it's very 
it's it just doesn't know what it sounds like. It keeps saying all of these horrible things and com being completely unaware that the things that it's saying are really horrible. King Kong, you're like a giant Negro. <laughs> it never gets quite that overt, but it gets very close. If only we could make this giant ape pick cotton. So, so very briefly, the, the plot of Shin Godzilla um, is just, it's, it's essentially, when you break it down, a kind of a by-the-numbers reboot of Godzilla. Um, it's, you know, Godzilla shows up, he attacks Tokyo, the government mobilizes to try and stop him using the military. Uh, there's, as a straight-up reboot, it's much more like the... Uh, the first American Godzilla or the original Godzilla in that there's no monster that he fights or anything like that. They're just trying to deal with Godzilla as he stands. Uh, and um, what makes it something that I wanted to talk about in this podcast is the historical context regarding why it was made, how it was made, as well as, uh, like we said, certain behind-the-scenes stories just kind of engender weirdness in a project, whether it seems weird or not. And also the artistic credibility that went into making a Godzilla movie after so many years of Godzilla being kind of a joke. Um, in my opinion, this movie is the greatest Godzilla film since the original. And I think that it um, is the only true horror movie to feature Godzilla since the original. I don't think that I can consider any other Godzilla movies that have come out since then including other attempts to reboot it as a serious franchise, as a horror movies. At best, I call them disaster movies. But this, to my opinion, is, is a true horror film featuring Godzilla. And uh, I think it's bloody fantastic. So this is weird because it is out of the norm for what Godzilla movies usually do. Yeah, it's out of the norm for what Godzilla movies usually do. It's out of the norm for... Um, Kaiju movies in general. Kaiju movies in general, really, yeah. Uh, I, I definitely recommend it. I, I, I think it's a fantastic film. I would not recommend it, right. uh, partially because I do not, I'm not as well-versed in Godzilla or Kaiju movies as you are. Mm -hmm. um, and there was a point where I realized, like, it does not work for me as a Kaiju movie, what I expect a Kaiju movie to, for, to be. Mm -hmm. And it does also not work for me as, like, a suspenseful thriller of any type okay um it, it sort of in the later parts it gets bogged down in meaningless scientific talk um <laughs> i don't understand what the fuck the solution to the godzilla problem was sure i mean i understand what they did to godzilla but a lot of time it's like uh if we hack into the... Not, they don't say hack into anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did not... There was a lot of scientific talk. There was a lot of techno babble. Um... It, it, the acting did not particularly impress me. Mm -hmm. um, I was not particularly engaged either as a, like, this is a fun disaster kaiju movie where we got a big monster. Yeah. Um, or a very serious thriller, which is what I have seen other people refer to it as. Um, it, it's, but if you have your background, I imagine there's a lot more to be gained from it. Mm -hmm. But, me as a novice, I did not get much out of it. There's some good visual stuff. Yeah. Um, especially the final shot was uh, wonderful. I wish 
I wish there was a sequel so we could see where that was going. I know, yeah, um, same. But, yeah, I, I ha- would have trouble recommending it. Mm-hmm. But let's get into the movie proper. Sure. Okay, so on top of it being a an interesting film to me because of its place in Godzilla history, uh, I just want to put down some facts about Japanese history that's Absolutely. important to understand. Because on top of being a horror film, as I mentioned, uh, this is also a political satire film. Uh, which is, again, another thing that just makes it so weird as a Godzilla film. Uh, the original film was a very angry political piece. This is the first one that really feels like a really angry political piece to me. And the, it's angry not just at America, but yeah. at the seemingly at, ineffectual and water-treading nature of Japanese government. Yes, definitely. I know nothing about Japanese politics or anything, but mm-hmm. that was clear from the film. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so, in the, the 50s... Uh, in 1952, when America kind of backed off of Japan, as I mentioned, uh, there was a new Japanese constitution written up. And one of the rules is Article 9 of the Japanese constitution said, Aspiring sincerely to an international peace based on justice and order, the Japanese people forever renounce war as a sovereign right of the nation and the threat or use of force as means of settling international disputes. They give up the right to declare war on any other nation. Okay. Uh, in number two, in order to accomplish the aim of the preceding paragraph, land, sea, air forces, as well as other war potential, will never be maintained. The right of belligerency of the state will not be recognized. So that is why the Japanese military is referred to as the self-defense force. Exactly. It was in uh, a little bit later. It was made the rule that if there were any external threats to Japan, America would defend them. Japan was only ever able to establish a self-defense force, as you saw in the movie, to protect from internal threats. So essentially a glorified SWAT team with missiles. And then, uh, more recently in 2015, like the year before this movie was made, they made the first real... In 2015, goddammit, they made the first real change to this rule in history that would allow the Japanese defense force to aid its allies if they needed help. Gotcha. But they're still not allowed to protect their own borders unless America is involved. Um, so, fuck. Anyway. Uh, so, so that's, that's really good context to have that I did not have while viewing the film. That adds another wrinkle to mm-hmm. what was going on. Right. And I, I read, uh, just glancingly, that the movie was incredibly well-received in Japan. Yes. And received mixed reviews in America. It did. Probably because we don't have that sort of context. It's very much a film made for a Japanese audience, much more than well, most other... they should have God- fucking kept it there. <laughs> much Keep more... Keep your Godzilla in your own goddamn yard. <laughs> fucking shoot it the next time I see it. <laughs> but much more than any other... Than not any other Godzilla movie. There have been other Godzilla movies that have been made. There was one Godzilla movie where um, Godzilla was literally possessed with the ghosts of people who ha- of of sailors who were killed, Japanese sailors who were killed in World War Two. But that movie was not nearly as well received in either country Japan as this movie has been. Loves the ghosts of sailors. Do they? They do. There's another movie I was looking at. I forget the title. 
but it has to deal with the ghosts of sailors. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, um, I mean, ghosts of sailors are kind of a universal thing. I think John Carpenter made a movie about that too, didn't he? Pirate Ghost, yeah, The Fog. The Fog, yeah. With Adrian Barbeau. Adrian Barbeau, Catwoman, from the Batman the Animated Series. Oh, is she? Yeah, she is. Cool. That's that's what I know her from. I don't know her from much else. I mostly know her from the HBO series Carnival. Ah, okay. She was a snake handler. Nice. And she was the mother of the strong man. Nice. Very foxy lady. She is a foxy lady. She's also in the Swamp Thing movie. <laughs> <laughs> I always forget about that Made Swamp Thing movie. <laughs> I always forget about that Swamp Thing movie, even though I saw it as a child. You did? Um, okay. Yes, I still haven't I, seen it. I don't remember anything about it, except that I had a Swamp Thing figure. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't look good. I'm sure it isn't. <laughs> People don't talk about it. They don't. No they one's just, like, oh just, man, Swamp Thing, what a great movie. They just kind of say, oh, Wes Craven was involved, and then they like quickly move on to something else. I'm craving a better movie than the Swamp Thing movie. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway, so uh, the movie starts off very much in, in the in the vein of the original movie with an almost exact recreation of the original movie's opening credits, uh, which is not that hard to do. It's just black, white text on a black screen with a Godzilla theme, but it, it's interesting. Yeah. To see that recreation. And uh, were they using classic Toho uh, production cards? I believe they were. Because they looked very old school. Yeah, I think that they were using those old, the old-fashioned production cards and everything. Okay. So, already starting off with a very Quentin Tarantino flair. I want to point out that this movie begins the same way as the Harrison Ford film based on the Tom Clancy novel Clear and Present Danger. Oh, does it? With an abandoned yacht. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I like to think of this as a reboot of Clear Present Danger as well. See, I was thinking, this shows how m much more smutty my brain is. My brain just thought this starts off the same way as Lucio Fulci's Zombie. Oh. With an abandoned boat. I don't remember Zombie. I don't remember that part of Zombie. Yeah. But uh, Zombie's fucking great. Zombie is fucking great. And we got to see that at the drive-in. We did. We need to pay more attention to what's coming to the drive-in. We do. that was a great experience. I would love to watch more bloody Italian exploitation films at a drive-in. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I think that's the best way to see them. It definitely is. Yeah. But yeah, so Zombie was, Zombie is great. Uh, anyway, so yeah, it opens with this, this uh, yacht or this boat uh, being abandoned in the harbor. Uh, some people try and investigate it. The film becomes found footage for a couple of minutes. It does it a few times. A few times, yeah. Which is another thing I did not care for is really? the mixing of styles. Mm -hmm. If it if it were done more, if it were like more of a, it's not necessarily what this term means, but a mixed media presentation where it's like, sure, we do get some newscasts, we get some found footage stuff, but if it were more than that, otherwise it just seems sort of like unnecessarily and sort of pointlessly dial with no point, not even with style over substance it's just like ah here's here's some found footage stuff for a second and mm -hmm. now we're going to abandon that right no i i i can definitely see that i enjoy the found footage segments because it's contrasted so starkly against the government sections mm -hmm. the all 
most of the movie is about the government discussing Godzilla and, and how to deal with it, and like I said, it's political satire, dealing with the ineffectualness of the Japanese government as it exists today, partially because of America, uh, and uh, all of that stuff is shot with an almost Wes Anderson level of attention to um, what is in the frame. Characters will it'll cut from like a character on one side of the frame to a character on the other side of the frame. It every there will be a lot of shots where they have everything perfectly symmetrical within the frame, and then have a character in the background suddenly that you're not looking at suddenly react very strongly to something and then come into the frame. Like there's that shot I love where a character's right in the center of the frame, uh, discussing something with people more closer to the camera. And a character in the background freaks out, pushes their computer chair back, and runs off camera, gets another guy, and then runs from the way dip, the deepest part of the field up to the to the to the camera lens, and suddenly becomes a part of the conversation in in the foreground. I love the blocking of that sequence, and there's a lot of that shit mixed with the found footage stuff, which all feels very natural and realistic. Like there's a lot of people being evacuated and they're like dumb teenagers filming it on their cell phones being like whoa this oh, is we're weird on the slide. what's going on we're on the sly I, I i i enjoyed the mixture of the natural with the highly unnatural i i did not pay as much i was maybe it was because i was not as engaged as you were sure but i did not notice that stuff as much as you did sure i had to rewind because when the president of japan for or the prime minister prime of japan, minister yeah uh, first gets news that something is happening and like, hey, we need to turn on the TV. I was like, how the fuck did he know that? So I had to, <laughs> because it's, uh, when he's told it's a wide shot and it's just mm -hmm. very quietly an aide comes up to him and whispers in his ear. Yes. So I had to go back to see that. Well, that's another thing about the movie is that the dialogue, especially from most of the government people, the main character, what was his name? Um, Yanaguchi Rondo. Yanaguchi. The main character, Yanaguchi, is the most passionate character in the film. Almost everyone else in the Japanese cabinet, old or young, speak in a very quick, decisive, deliberate, and very soft cadence. People are very low energy in this movie. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, one of my favorite characters is the... Lowest energy. Uh, she's the very serious woman. Yes. Um, I thought she should have been the lead actress and not the very pretty lady. Sure. Yeah, I, I would agree like I, I not not her as that character, but that character as the lead as a lead character. character yeah. The very serious lady because <laughs> I just loved her. She was great. I, lo I loved her too. No, she's she's definitely one of the standouts in the movie. Just like Japanese Daria. Working for the sort of <laughs> working for the government, sort of. But uh, then again, every character in this movie is very serious. Yeah, they're very they're very serious and very uh, mechanical. I have a question about the yacht. Okay, were we meant to infer that the people on the yacht were missing because of Godzilla, or is this an unrelated thing that leads to the discovery of Godzilla? It's not made clear at first. Later on in the movie, they find out that the yacht was owned by a scientist. Makigoro. Yes, who predicted that Godzilla would come from nuclear testing done by America. Gotcha. Uh, so, based on that, 
it is kind of left up to your imagination as to what actually happened to the scientists. But for whatever reason, Godzilla shows up right under a yacht that was owned by that guy, right on top of where he was. So maybe he kept doing research on Godzilla and saw, and realized that what he predicted had come to pass and went down scuba diving off of his yacht to see where Godzilla was and got eaten. And maybe he woke up Godzilla that way. Or maybe uh, the guy, out of anger, decided to make what he predicted come true and somehow created Godzilla well, that way. I thought that's what was implied, is that this was all part of a plan. That might this be. was a very deliberate thing because he leaves that cryptic message of something like, I've done what I'm going to do, you do what you will. Right. And he also intentionally made it so that if you nuked Godzilla, mm -hmm. bad things would happen. All right. So one of the directors who directed this film is also the creator of Neon Genesis Evangelion. And from what I understand, one of his trademarks is uh, leaving some elements of his stories up to audience interpretation. Okay. So that and the ending shot that we mentioned earlier are two exam definite examples of him just being like, yeah, and I do with that it. what you will. Uh, the other director was, and this is just for kaiju fans out there. The other or, director was Mick G, wasn't it? No. Oh, okay. The other director was the former special effects director for the Gamera trilogy of movies that were made in the 90s, uh, which is probably uh, the three best kaiju films ever made. Really? Yeah. Um, I'll have to check those out. They're really fucking great. And they're much, I will say they're much more fun than this movie is. Well, yeah. Yeah, but they are... Um... This movie is a literal holocaust. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's it's very serious. Do you think Gamera could beat Godzilla? Did they ever fight officially? They never fought officially because they're owned by two different companies. But, yeah, but Marvel and DC have uh, had crossover events. They have. Movie companies are infamously less cooperative than comic book companies. Who framed Roger Rabbit. That's true. Uh, Although... You found one time. <laughs> I found... <laughs> That's all I need. I'm right. <laughs> the point. So no, they've they've never fought. I would love for them to fight. I think if there were to be a Gamera versus Godzilla movie, Gamera is more likely to win simply because he is more often than not a good guy. Although Godzilla also seems to have very weak knees in this movie, you can just <laughs> sort of you can sort of Tanya Harding him. He's, and, uh, he's dummy thick. He's got very thin he arms. He is very but thick. He's, he's he's got very thick knees true he but didn't. they knock him down a lot <laughs> they, that's that's a fairly common thing in a lot of godzilla a lot of godzilla movies godzilla there's actually uh in one of the movies return of godzilla uh the actor in the suit tripped and fell into one of the fake buildings knocking it over and they just left it in the movie because they were like oh godzilla's fallible he can trip godzilla's fallible unlike the pope before vatican ii <laughs> Some some more cultural. It's important that we humanize Godzilla. It's important that we humanize Godzilla. Yep. Uh... Godzilla, he's just like you and me. <laughs> exactly. Is Gamera a fellow as well as a chap? Gamera is 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 much more of a, of a person than Godzilla is. Okay. I don't I don't remember if he's people have male genders. or female. I don't remember if he's male or female. How, I think do, he is male. What do his uh, breasts look like? He doesn't have them. Oh, okay. He's a turtle. 
I've seen, I well, granted, I haven't seen them. I've created them. Uh-huh. Turtles with gigantic bosoms. Okay, okay. Are uh, you referring can... to Venus de Milo from the Ninja Turtles Next Mutation no, series? No, I'm referring to my laboratory <laughs> oh. where I graft uh, silicon tits on the turtles. <laughs> How do they walk? Poorly. They, <laughs> they don't survive, but they look sexy as hell. Okay, I think I think you and I need to have a much more serious conversation after this podcast is over about about these these poor turtles that you're killing. I don't see turtles as living things because I only recognize fast things. So, <laughs> uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, uh-huh. uh huh, Sonic the fast food restaurant, right, and um, Paul Walker, Paul, <laughs> R.I.P. He's fast. He was. And furious. He was. Yeah. I always thought that title was because he was fast and Vin Diesel was furious. I have never seen any of those films. Okay. I assumed that... Um, I assumed it, it was a good, the bad, and the ugly situation where one of them is each. Oh. I don't yeah. know. I assumed it's because the cars themselves were angry, that they were being used <laughs> as objects, and not being treated as uh, living people, which I assume they are in those movies. And then... I, I uh, no, they're not. But I assume that it's not related. It's not a prequel and sequel to the Cars. No, cinematic universe. Surprisingly, surprisingly. Oh man! But that may maybe Too Fast, Too Furious is a movie about the hubris of the character of Paul Walker. He was fast oh. and furious in the first one, but then he became too fast and too furious. He drove too be- fast, too close to the sun. Too close to the sun, and, and became his own worst enemy. And that's why he's a corpse now. Oh my God! You didn't need to take it there. <laughs> I mean, it was clearly going there. Damn it, Matthew Broderick! Son of a bitch! I bet he did it. <laughs> I bet he just drives around. I bet he got a taste for it. And he got now a he taste just, for it. He just drives around mowing people down. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. I think he probably would have... Something would have happened to him by now. Well, if that he doesn't have much of an acting career anymore. That's true. Maybe that's the price he paid. <laughs> you can kill people with your car, Matthew Broderick. <laughs> but you can't be in movies. Not even Inspector Gadget anymore. We're giving it to French Stewart. We let Mel Gibson back, but not him? Yeah. Well, Mel Gibson never killed anybody. No, he didn't. He's just just a shitty person. He just yelled a bunch of really bad things. Yeah. Yeah. Which I do a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I do it at you. You do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Again, we should have a conversation about that. Well, we probably won't, (laughs) given the dynamic of our friendship. Cool. Uh, Let's talk about the plot of this beta. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, the movie begins with this, with this yacht, almost immediately Godzilla-esque shit starts happening. This is kind of unusual already for a Godzilla movie. A lot of times when they start a Godzilla series or reboot it, they do the Jaws method of having Godzilla's effects being shown well before Godzilla actually shows up. Um, the film almost immediately gets into this very, uh... Have you seen... Do you know what In the Loop is? Yes, I love In the Loop. Yeah, it, it gets into this very sort of... I'm surprised that you've seen In the Loop. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've seen In the Loop. I haven't seen the show, but I've seen the movie. The show is not called In the Loop. I forget what it's called. I forget which one is called um, what. But, but uh, Peter Capaldi is in both. Yeah, yes, yes, he is. 
I saw it because specifically because I love Peter Capaldi as Doctor Who and I wanted to hear him swearing. <laughs> Which he does a lot. And it's amazing. It's oh. so... He's one of the best swearers on movies. He's great. But uh, him and Samuel L. Jackson should be in the movie together. They should. They should. Where they just um, swear at each other the whole movie. The Swear Boys. The Swear Boys. Starring Peter Capaldi <laughs> and Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, so, yeah, anyway... Uh, start starting off right away. They, the, uh, the, the sea turns red. The sea turns red and which, starts flooding a tunnel. Which I, they never fully established this. this. Is another thing is kind of left up to you. But I, when you finally see Godzilla, Godzilla has gills that are spouting red fluids. Which I loved. I love the spouting the red fluids. Yes. Um, I was not for. Because I was not sure, you did not explain to me what made this movie weird. Uh-huh. So I was wondering if this goofy... First off, I didn't... I went back and forth on whether, like, this can't be Godzilla, because that doesn't look like <laughs> fucking Godzilla. It doesn't. That looks like David Cronenberg tried to make a Chinese lion in the Jim Henson workshop. <laughs> yes, it does. And... <laughs> And I was like, "Is is this is going to be the monster that Godzilla comes and fights?" Oh, mm -hmm. or or it's weird because Godzilla is just like fucking just nudging things around. But yes, um, no, it's it's uh, so the film specifically sets you up for a more traditional Godzilla narrative. You have something is in the water. Oh shit, what is it? Big tail comes out and starts whapping around. Oh man, it's fucking Godzilla. Here he comes, and suddenly this gasping bleeding, fish-eyed, creepy fucking... Hey, guys, it's me, Godzilla! You, <laughs> you want to get destroyed today? I can destroy you! It just looks like it wants death, and it's just, like, pushing... <laughs> it, it looks like an abortion of a Godzilla. It does. Its front legs don't fucking work. They're like little nubs sticking out of its body. It's got, my mom said you can come over and play Battletoads. Its back legs are just pushing its sad ass head that looks like it can't even breathe right through the city streets, gasping and bleeding from every orifice. I'm trying to find a McDonald's and eat some nuggets, guys. Where's the McDonald's? It's fucking nightmare fuel. It does. It's not. It's. it's see, I disagree. It does, okay. It's not nightmare fuel. It's just. It's derpy as shit. It's, it's the derpiest fucking monster I've ever seen. It's derpy, but I think that it's derpy in like a, a, a particularly horrifying way. One of my notes oh, okay. is actually, oh, that's how Godzilla looks in this, huh? <laughs> I love how completely not sold that sounds. <laughs> yeah, no, I... I uh, and another note is... This monster is hella derpy, just sort of nudges things. Just like, kind of nudges things, yeah. Uh, I do want. I do have a couple things. Um, okay. During the meeting about the crisis with the tunnel and what's going on in the sea. Yes. There is a title card, an interstitial title card that says, "The following is abbreviated." Like yes. the the we are not shown the entire meeting it is truncated. I yes. love that. I love that too. I love that. Yeah. Also, the Japanese government's furniture. Uh -huh. Looks like it belongs in the reception lounge of a Marriott courtyard. Oh, yes. Yeah. It is the cheapest bullshit I've ever <laughs> seen. Government spending. But it, True. And then during that sequence, in fact, to go back to that for a second, there's this fantastic bit 
where they're sitting in their Marriott Courtyard business lounge uh, discussing what's going on, what their response is going to be. And they decide on what the government's official take is going to be on it. That, at this point, they haven't seen Godzilla. And I think that they say it's going to be just... Uh, they're just tr dealing with the flooding tunnel, basically. They're, they're just going to say it's a flooding tunnel, it's, it's just infrastructure, we're going to deal with it. They then all move into an official meeting room so that they can start talking about things and have them on the record. Almost immediately after they enter that room, they get news that an actual giant monster is involved and that it's come up on land. And they all immediately go back to the Courtyard Business Center so that they can discuss a new take. I love how completely pointless all of that is. Yes, and again, I did not understand it was supposed to be satire, so from my yeah. point of view, it's just like, what the fuck is the point of this? This is <laughs> dumb. This is boring. Like, right. There is an efficiency that needs to be present in filmmaking. Yes. Unless your point is there's a lack of efficiency in this setting. You're absolutely right. So, yeah, if, if this were unintentional, I would agree with you that this is uh, wasting time on a level not seen since Manos, the Hands of Fate. But it's, it is definitely an intentional and integral part of the film. And it's it's almost putting it's putting you in the place of is Yanaguchi is the character's name Yanaguchi Yanaguchi putting you in the place of Yanaguchi because Yanaguchi is the only character who reacts in this movie the way that you would imagine a normal human would react in that he gets more and more frustrated as more and more of these seemingly completely pointless layers of government keep getting in the way of them doing anything to stop Godzilla. The first time Godzilla comes up onto land, they start evacuating the city, but otherwise, they do fucking nothing. The They start talking about the idea of maybe putting together the self-defense force to strike, but Godzilla's back in the water before they can do anything. There's a lot of conversation about... Okay, we have like four options. We can try to capture it. Mm -hmm. We can try to kill it. We can see what happens. We can, like, there's a lot of this, like, well, here's what we can do. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. There's a sequence where they pull out a whole bunch of standardized plans. Uh, they have a whole bunch of packets and they're ruffling through them. It's like, this scenario doesn't work because XYZ. This scenario is not quite correct. This scenario is mostly correct, but it doesn't work because this. You would think it wouldn't matter. You would think, send the fucking helicopters. Mm -hmm. Kill it. But they can't... They feel that the, the, the upper echelons of the bureauc bureauc bureaucracy, bureaucracy... Thank you. Bureaucracy and the Japanese government feels like it can't move unless it has exactly the scenario... And nobody's put together a scenario for giant lizard nudging things around with its weird dumb head. Yeah. There are lots of Edgar Wright-esque um, montages of people putting on uniforms and stuff like that. The Prime Minister, realizing that it's a, an actual disaster, pulls out a blue uniform that he can wear for his press conference so he'll look more like a working man. Which I guess is a common thing for Japanese press conferences. It's specific... This movie was also another bit of historical reference. This movie was made right after the tsunami. And it's also referencing the Fukushima meltdown disaster. That too. And if you look at footage of actual press conferences, you'll see 
the Prime Minister and many other politicians wearing these exact same blue jumpsuits. Could you imagine Donald Trump uh, shoving his fat ass into like a pair of, <laughs> into like a pair of dickies, like to give a press conference? Like, I, I no, it's it's very performative, but on it some is. level, I appreciate it. Yes, like um, yeah, yeah, it's it's it yeah, it's it's um. It's it's definitely a, a part of their cult. If if Trump had to deal with anything like this, he would just come out and start yelling about how great his numbers were, and this is the biggest lizard that anyone's ever seen. <laughs> this is the biggest, and we have we dealt have with so it. much radiation that even our lizards are walking. He's never before has a lizard walked around I, like this. I never heard of a lizard walking. Have you heard of a lizard walking? They haven't heard of a lizard walking. This lizard doesn't blink. His eyes are so wet all the time. He doesn't need to blink. The lizard is so big, I have to fuck my daughter. Also, it's in Alabama. It's in New York. It's in Alabama, I know, because I drew it on this map. This is a map of the U.S. right here. It's drawn in Sharpie. That's how you know it's good. Our president is a fucking buffoon. Anyway, <laughs> that's the joke. Our lives are a fucking nightmare. Anyway. <laughs> oh, uh, one thing yes. that I'll mention at this point is mm -hmm. the movie, distractingly, to a distracting degree, mm -hmm. makes an effort to let us know who every single character is. Yes. There's 10 million characters. Yes. Makes us know what their rank and position are. Yes. To the point where we are shown a picture of rocket launch we are shown images of rocket launchers mm -hmm. and we are told the make and model of the rocket launchers yes is this a common thing in kaiju movies no no so it's just a all. goofy ass thing that they decided to it, do it is because like as early on when it says the the following uh is 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 abbreviated abbreviated the entire movie is almost shown to you as a visual government document like, the entire thing is shown almost... The characters speak without emotion. Everything is, is like... Like it's being written down by a stenographer and then reproduced for you on screen. And see, that's... If I had known that going into it, I yeah. might have appreciated it more. But it's also... It was distracting and I could not keep up with it. This is the only movie I've ever had trouble keeping up with subtitles. Right. They move very fast. They move very because fast. Everyone in this movie talks. They're on the bottom. Ahead. They're on the top. Yes. Like it's. They're all over. I could not keep. Yanaguchi and um, Kyoko Patterson are really the only two characters we need to know. Yes. Um, but it still insists on being like, here's this guy. You'll never see him again. But this is who he is. <laughs> this is his position. Uh, one thing I did appreciate with that is as mm -hmm. Yanaguchi's, um position like becomes more elevated later we are we are also shown the position of people that we were shown the position of before yes and yanaguchi keeps getting longer yes i did like that yes yanaguchi keeps getting more and more responsibility as the movie gets goes on he gets put in almost as soon as he's the one who first theorizes that the disaster might be caused by a living creature mm -hmm. as soon as that is shown to be correct he uh is put in charge almost immediately is put in charge of a task force which involves Japanese Daria. Yes. Uh, Derpzilla. Derpzilla is nudging his way through the city. Yes. And then it gets a fucking glow up. It does. It suddenly digivolves uh and gets slightly more active little arms and gets to stand up. 
It gets little like chicken wing arms. Yes, it gets little T Rex arms. And this is uh, when I talked about the great visuals. This is one of the great parts where, um, mm-hmm. specifically, the tendons of its mouth as it roars look so fucking good. Yes, uh, they were incredible. Yes, they were. Um, you do, you do start to notice at this point in the film that the creature is entirely CGI. As far as I'm aware, this is the first Japanese Godzilla where it's entirely CGI. It's always CGI? Because there were some points when it's sort of... Especially when it's... Still. When it when it's uh, goofy looking as hell. Yeah. It looked like that could have been a practical effect. That was CGI. Oh, wow. It, they did create um, practical effects for the film, and then they scrapped them at the last minute. So I actually originally, I think, said to you that this was the last one worth suit Godzilla. I was misinformed. It's all CGI, they produce suits, and then they scrap them at the last minute. See, that's why I didn't enjoy the film, is because your lies poisoned it. <laughs> right, yes, of course. Yeah. But yeah, no, he, he stands up. It's it's interesting to, uh, to point out, it's mostly just a Godzilla fan thing. At this point in the film, he is as tall as the original Godzilla. That's right. I think you shared something that this is, eventually becomes the biggest Godzilla... Uh, if not one of the biggest monsters in monster movie history. Yeah, when he comes back later, they say, and I, I'm missing part of my notes here, but when he comes back later, they say something like, he's quadruple his original size, and that is both a reference to the fact that he is, and also it's an in-joke, because he is now, at that point, when he comes out in, in full Godzilla form, he is the tallest Godzilla has ever been in any movie. Well, thank God. Thank God they've created a taller Godzilla. <laughs> I've been waiting. That's the fucking problem with Godzilla, is height. Right. I need. I see. I. Whenever I see a monster movie. Yep. I imagine what if they were playing basketball. Okay. And the taller the monster, the better for dunking. Right. So this Godzilla would be the. Michael Jordan, I guess. Or- Who's a good dunkman? Uh, I don't know much about God, uh, basketball. What about Kobe know, Bryant who I just do, died? I do know that uh, Godzilla in a comic book went, and in a commercial went up against Charles Barkley in a basketball. I think I might remember that. Yeah. I know Charles Barkley because he was in Space Jam and Clerks the Animated Series. He was not in Space Jam. That was Michael Jordan. No, he was in Space Jam. Oh, no, he was. He just you wasn't the main mother character. motherfucker trying I'm to sorry. tell me it was Michael Jordan, Muggsy Bogues, uh-huh. Charles Barkley, Larry Bird, probably some other people. Probably. Those were the big ones. Yeah. Charles Barkley tries to go play basketball with some children, and they're like, oh, man, it's Charles Barkley. And then he, but the the mon- the Monstars stole his powers. Yeah. So he couldn't. So they're like, be gone, wannabe, be gone. Because he can't ball anymore. Charles Barkley not only faced off against Godzilla in a comic book using a magical coin to grow to Godzilla's size, but he also uh, became a detective in a comic called Charles Barkley Detective. Uh, We need to find that comic, (laughs) and we need to talk about it. He wore Dick Tracy's uh, uh, really yellow trench coat. That's... I, I appreciate that choice, because the most obvious choice would have been the Sherlock Holmes Deerstalker. You would think. But no, he wore the Dick Tracy yellow uh, trench coat. Did he have a... Um... And the real Charles Bar- Charles Barkley even did a photo shoot in the trench coat for the comic. Well, what the fuck else would he be doing? 
playing basketball. <laughs> he didn't, however, bleed into the ink like the members of Kiss did for their comic. Well, which makes it an inferior product. In my obviously, opinion. yeah. Uh, because if you can't get hepatitis C from your comic, <laughs> what the fuck is the point? <laughs> That's the only reason I read comics, for the danger of hepatitis C. So after Godzilla evolves, he needs to go into the ocean to cool down. To cool down, because every time he evolves, he expunges more radiation, uh, and he overheats, so he needs to go into the water to cool down. And the day after he goes into the ocean, there's this weird montage of, it's Otaward, Mm -hmm. um, where it's like a fucking Woody Allen film, where it's like... There's voiceovers and sort of like smooth jazz playing, and all it's mm-hmm. missing, and like just like shots of bridges, like it's it's Woody Allen shooting Manhattan, <laughs> and all all it's missing is like uh, him going like, yeah, and then I then I had sex with my daughter, and then uh, then uh, Godzilla came, and I had to talk to my analyst about this lizard. And... Then we're introduced to a new character who becomes very important in the film, Kayoko and Peter Patterson. Yep. Who is an American-born uh, envoy to Japan mm-hmm. from the American government. She's planning on becoming uh, a president of the United States someday, very ambitious, as most of the political figures in this film are. Her father is a senator. Yes. And it's really... This is not an intentionally funny bit of the movie. It's an... It's it's probably the only unintentionally funny bit, uh, for me anyway, uh, other than Derp Godzilla, but your mileage may vary, uh, is that usually, it's just an interesting matter of seeing the foot on the, on the, the shoe on the other foot, because she's clearly speaking Japanese in a different accent from the rest of them, and I took that to mean that she's doing her best impression of an American speaking Japanese, mm-hmm. doing a Jap- an American accent the same way we would do uh, a French accent or an English accent speaking English. Uh, but when she goes back to... Sp- when she goes to speaking English, she speaks it with a very heavy Japanese accent. Which I loved. Yeah. I, it's, I love listening to Japanese people speak English. Yes. It's... I don't know. It's just that... Thing where accents are so appealing. Um, sure, was, sure. I loved it every time it happened when she was like, because usually it would happen for like short phrases like, sure, let's go. Yeah. But e- even then, even when she would say, sure, let's go, like you could you could definitely still hear it. And she, and to me, it, it spoke of the Japanese audience for that we're making this film for is going to hear the American accent when I'm speaking Japanese, but when I'm speaking English, they're just going to hear English. Exactly. So it doesn't matter for me to hide my accent there, which I'm sure just every time an American actor playing a French person has spoken French, mm-hmm. the French audience has noticed the same thing. Japanese audience is probably the same thing. So I just, I, I love, America dominates the global market so much, we don't get to see it done to us very often. Exactly. And I find it very amusing whenever it does happen. Mm-hmm. But so I just enjoyed that. But she's an she's an American character, uh, and she's part of Yaguchi Rando's team. Yes, she comes over and immediately starts working with Yaguchi. That includes uh, a phrase that I fucking loved: "Academic heretics," <laughs> because they, uh, which is the scientist with the towel around his neck. Yes, yes. Who I, my second favorite character. <laughs> 
Yes, there there are a whole bunch of different. There's the, the academic heretics that they brought in. They they brought in, as, essentially they they say that they brought they they built the uh, task force out of a bunch of people that no one wanted to work with. Mm -hmm. He said we're going to get a, a losers club together to fight off against this, and uh, that is based on an experience they have earlier in the movie where they try and get the top anthropologists in the country to come together and theorize about Godzilla, and none of them want to say anything for fear of ruining their careers. It's another bit of satire right there and then they all leave with having accomplished nothing this is around the time where the tone of the movie really started to get me i get me like get my goat as in i did not i you started to get pissed off yes because okay. um there are lines about how um the behavior of the monster is like it needs a ton of energy mm -hmm. like for metabolically and it it just moves. It doesn't have a purpose. It just moves. And that could be horrifying. Yes. This idea of an unknown quantity that needs an incredible amount of energy to exist and operate and seems to be driven by nothing other than the desire to move forward. It's very Lovecraftian. It is. But, like, it, that could be incredibly scary and frightening. I Even, should say, it's not exactly Lovecraftian, but it's Eldritch. Yes. That could be incredibly scary, even for an old hat IP like Godzilla. Yes. But it never worked for me. Okay. Um, it, it just, maybe it was the acting, maybe it was the pacing and the tone of the film, mm -hmm. but the suspense was never there for me. Maybe it was just the fact that the first act completely failed to hook you, so then when you were expected to continue to care going forward, uh you were just lost at that point it's possible yeah but I, at that point your brain is just like we're wasting time maybe and uh, like i i can't i didn't know what like i didn't try to examine it deeper but mm -hmm. for example when we saw parasite yes uh fantastic movie by the way absolutely fantastic deserved the best picture win 100 percent. uh deserved any of the awards at one all of them um but so it's not a thing where it's like Oh, these foreign people are talking their fucking foreign language, <laughs> and I can't get into it. Yeah. With Parasite, I was hooked. Yeah. With this, it did not engage me. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I don't know what it was. Sure. And this is the beginning of a lot of empty space in the movie, where it's a lot of techno babble, a lot of, like, mm -hmm. uh, we need to figure out what to do about Godzilla. And again, I was expecting, like, I was, like, expecting, like, Oh, Godzilla movie. I'm going to see Godzilla wrecking a bunch of shit. Yeah. Which happens, but is not the main thrust of the movie. The main no. thrust is the... There are long periods where Godzilla is not on screen, or he's not doing anything. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So, and... But I was willing to accept the idea of, like, okay, this is more of a Jaws thing, where it's not... Mm -hmm where the monster is the impetus for other action and emotion. Yeah. But the suspense was never there for me. Right. Because there's not a lot of emotion in the movie at all. There is there's, there's hardly no any emotion. Yeah. Um there are brief very in my opinion powerful pockets of emotion, but for most of the film again everyone's very staccato. Yes. There's there's a thing in in Japanese cinema the way that they think about stories particularly visual storytelling with actors and, and movies plays comes from a different background from us in America we generally come from a western ideal which is based in Shakespeare it's based very much in dialogue 
it's based very much in in it's, it's based it's based very, but it's based very much in in like words and 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 uh, motivations and stuff like that. Japanese comes from a different theatrical background of like no and kabuki theater, which is much more movement or oriented. So when you go back to uh, Kurosawa films, for example, and you see actors like um, the actors in Seven Samurai. Toshiro Mufune. Toshiro Mufune, exactly. Toshiro Mufune especially, he moves in a very larger-than-life way because that's the character that he's playing. Mm-hmm. And it's I'm not saying that Jap- Japan is in any way inferior or uh, superior to American films. It's just a different it's style. It's just a very different style that grew out of a different artistic movement. So in this movie, whereas the characters all move... The characters, the cinematography... The editing all moves in a very staccato way because the movement is not only of, of the characters but of the camera and of the editing is all supposed to communicate to you, in my opinion anyway. I haven't been able to find any official director's commentary because, again, this director is a very depressed artiste type. He doesn't like explaining what he's doing to anybody. But I guess Godzilla's gonna, you know, right. I don't know. Yeah, well... We're David Lynch fans. We can't exactly complain. True. No, <laughs> I, 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 I'm not right. But but the point. But in my opinion, the the very staccato delivery of everything and and the way that it's all handled like that is meant to a make when there are emotional bits towards the end of the movie more powerful, and b be part of the whole ethos of how completely strangled the government is and it put in this weird chokehold but like i didn't get any sense of that movement i enjoyed seven samurai yeah um well seven samurai it, i just use that as an example no of, but i understand forms, but yeah i understand but like most of the time people are just sitting they're just sitting and they're yes. delivering their dialogue very flatly mm-hmm. um and most of the just... time they're not even looking at each other they're looking at something like a, a computer screen they're clicking on their things and talking very fast at the yeah. same time so uh up to this point mm-hmm. uh has the movie been very different from other kaiju movies oh incredibly different in what ways uh in all in 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 the way that it's it's very carefully controlled as to how it moves gotcha uh everything about the cinematography the acting it's all devoted to this very specific style, which clearly not everyone's going to like. Mm-hmm. But it's all de- it's incredibly stylistic. It's incredibly devoted to this ideal of what the director wants to communicate about the way that the Japanese government works and the way that everything works. Godzilla, uh, while not acting like Godzilla, the stuff that Godzilla goes through with mutating and stuff, you can see that in other kaiju films. Yeah. But um, the way that the human characters interact with Godzilla, the way that everything is handled is a much more satirical and um, stylistically purposeful uh, film than even what I mentioned before, the, the original Godzilla or the Gamera trilogy or anything else. The most... This is a, a nationalistic movie in an, under, a certain, under a certain ideal. Yeah. But the I, most nationalistic other Godzilla movie I can think of is maybe Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, where they show... They go back in time and show that the Japanese military of the past was actually very heroic. But even but that goes from a much more comic book, more traditional Godzilla sensibility, in which the time if you think about the time travel too much, you'll just die on the spot. That's any time travel. Yeah. That's <laughs> almost any time travel. Especially the movie Primer. I'm sure. Uh, which is the uh, brain melter of a movie. Great. 
Um, I will say the time travel in Godzilla versus King Hidora makes Looper seem like a by-the-numbers plot. Like, it, it makes no fucking sense at well, all. Well, if you would like to bring it to the podcast at some point? I don't know. It, it, it's only weird because it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we want to talk about Neil Breen. We do. Which is... He's a very particular brand of weird true. suckage, though. Metatextually, this is very different from other kaiju films. Yes. So I've been thinking about this in terms of you threw me into a kaiju jazz movie. <laughs> where what's important about it is the notes they're not playing. And Yes, um, I would agree with that. Yeah. So it, it's sort of like, it, Muffy, uh, there's a new Godzilla, Gojira movie playing at the Odeon. <laughs> All right, not. I'm so tired of Gojira movies. But no, Muffy, this one's a geopolitical thriller. <laughs> It's, it's, so, like, I, I was not, I did not know that this was playing, this was about the notes that they were not playing. Yes. And I, I intentionally didn't give you any context going into it because I had already kind of been given some in, in context by my friend when I first watched it. So I thought it would be interesting to get your perspective as a completely blind viewer. I'm beginning to realize now I made a mistake, and I should have given you something. Something. Something so I knew uh, that, like, uh, this I should have was... sent you the Japanese Constitution from 1952. You said, should... read this, then watch the movie. I will read any Constitution. <laughs> you know this about me. I, I will know. read people's D&D Constitution stats. You're, a, you're a, a Constitution connoisseur. Exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know what's a good Constitution? What? America's Constitution. It was. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So uh, the team is assembled. The Godzilla team is, assembled. is in the water. Yep. So and now uh, Miss Patterson uh, talks about again the the owner of the yacht from earlier was a a scientist named Dr. Mackey. He was a disgraced anti nuclear zoology professor uh, who was studying the effects of nuclear mutations and theorized that a creature such as Godzilla. He, he uh, either he or the American government named it Godzilla in their theories uh, would be created. So this is this is another thing that makes it a little bit different from previous iterations. Every previous Godzilla reboot, even most of the American ones, have stated that the original Godzilla movie from the fifties is canon, and every Godzilla movie in between them and that one is not canon. Essentially, they every single one of them pulls a two thousand eighteen Halloween. This is the first Godzilla movie that has completely erased all previous continuity and just said this is the first time Godzilla is showing up. This is not a post. This is a pre-Godzilla world, not a post-Godzilla world. This is Godzilla entering the real world that you live in. Uh, but he was obviously disbelieved by all of the other scientists as any idiot saying, "Well, I think we should stop drawing nukes because the giant lizard problem would be." Um, and uh, the U.S. buried his research, and next thing anyone heard about him, an abandoned yacht was discovered over Tokyo Bay, and suddenly uh, his notes were are are they just they recover his notes from the ship, but they're all jumbled in code, and they don't know how to read them. Now I have a question: yeah. Is this the first Godzilla movie where a Japanese person is partially complicit in the creation of Godzilla? That's an interesting question. I'd have to think about that. Um, 
because they generally show the original Godzilla 1950s movie as being canon, mm-hmm. um, all of the follow-up Godzilla movies maintain that origin. Okay. Uh, so... And in the original, the United States were 100% responsible for Godzilla with their nuclear testing. Indirectly, but yes, the nuclear testing did either awaken an, old, an ancient dinosaur or mutate a lizard into an atomic fire-breathing creature. And this one, uh, Makigoro, is sort of, it's implied at least, that guiding this be. along. Yeah, he might be. It's in fact, there, there are some people who theorize that Godzilla might be Makigoro, taking his vengeance on Japan, that That's somehow his, his soul is inhabited in the creature. Because he was sort of blacklisted from Japan. He I was. forget what they refer to it. It's like a red uh, red listed or red something envelope or something like that. But yeah, the most the more common Western term for it is blacklisted. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he was blacklisted in both America and Japan. His research was buried. Nobody wanted to have anything to do with him. He was considered toxic. Get out of here with your goddamn lizard science. <laughs> We're sick of it. So once again, in in this movie, uh, you could argue Godzilla was indirectly created by America. They do talk about n- nuclear testing done by America. America is the one who uh, buried the lead on yes. the story. And uh, Goro Maki or Maki Goro, I'm not sure. Yeah, Maki was his last name, I believe. Okay, so it's Maki Goro. Okay. Um, in Japan. Okay. Um, there. By the way, there's a weird part where um, Kyoko Patterson is like. I'm bad with Japanese honorifics. Do you mind if we're yes. informal? But none of the subtitles reflect Japanese honorifics. Yeah, I think that's a joke you have to actually be able to read, to hear the Japanese and understand in order to get. Because I didn't see what she was referring to either. Well, I just, from reading so much manga and yeah. being a general weeb, like I, <laughs> I, I, I'm familiar with it. So I, yeah. and like I said, I had trouble with the subtitles, like concentrating on them. So I was not listening as much as I usually do to the Japanese dialogue. Right. So I, I was not catching all the songs and all that stuff. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, so they, they, they intentionally draw uh, a, they, they, they draw a connection to her not being very good at Japanese because yes. it's not her native language, even though nobody's buying it. And I, I saw a thing <laughs> where the actress, the actress was um, very nervous about all her English dialogue. To oh, the was point she? where... Uh, the stress made her cry sometimes. Oh, Yeah. Poor her. It's adorable. Yes. It's adorable when people cry. It is. Uh, I love it when people are in pain. Godzilla emerges. Oh, we learned that the United States president is uh, named Ross. Yes. And I like to a... imagine it's Ross from Friends. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like... He's really come we... up in the world. Yeah, exactly. He was an archaeologist and... Yeah. Um... Maybe that's where they got the dinosaur from, is see, from President Ross. See, if instead of uh, Joey, we'd had Ross, it would have been a much more interesting yeah. spinoff series. How are you doing? <laughs> that's something Joey said a lot. That is something I don't Joey care said. for friends that much. I want to make more friends jokes. but I, I don't, don't care for fr- Smelly Cat. Smelly Cat. Um, yeah. Central Perk. Uh, oh my god that's that, a that's a friends reference is oh yeah fran dresser was on that show yeah 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 um yeah, yeah. Mm. It's, <laughs> people it's, fucking love that show for some reason well they grew up with it yeah it's but a, it's fine it's not it's not the worst show to ever exist that's big bang theory yeah uh but it's it's not that great either 
but it means a lot to some people, and yeah. that's fine. Well, yeah. So does the Confederate flag. <laughs> Doesn't mean we need to keep fucking banging on about it. <laughs> Friends is a tiny bit less racist than the Confederate flag. Uh, I think it's. Uh, it's definitely white privilege the series, but it's not like... The Confederate flag did have more black people associated with it. <laughs> you can't deny that. <laughs> I think the black characters on Friends could be counted on one hand. I, I can't think of a single one. Um, Django. What? Oh no, that was Django Unchained, I'm sorry. <laughs> I get the two confused a lot. For a minute there, I thought of a fast-talking lawyer character, but I realized that was a character from Seinfeld. Yeah. Making uh, fun of the guy from I believe, the... Uh, Johnny Cochran. Making fun of Johnny Cochran. Making fun of Johnny Cochran. the character was named, like, Jackie Childs. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> now, that is a show that I grew up with, and I loved, and then I went back recently and was like, this isn't so great. Really? Yeah. I, haven't, I haven't seen it in a while. Yeah. Um, it's, it's still, like, a landmark series, but it, it you know, there are some things that maybe... I really like Julia Louis Dreyfus. Oh, she's great. She's um, awesome. She's very pretty. Yep. And especially when she has straight hair. <laughs> this is the level of uh, like we're not dude bros. Yeah. So whenever we, uh, I will talk about attractive women more than you will, <laughs> and it will always be like she's very pretty. <laughs> It'll never be like she's so hot. I love her titties. Yeah. He's just he just says she's very pretty, and I'm like, yep. <laughs> Yep, and that, that's the extent of it. Like, I like to acknowledge it. Just acknowledge then, it. Make sure we are all thinking about it, and then we move yeah, on. exactly. <laughs> when Godzilla comes out of the water, he's different. He's different. They say we're... Okay. To, quote, to quote Crow T. Robot, I'm different. <laughs> exactly. And I actually... The previous design was goofy as shit. Yes. But it was very interesting. Yeah. And now Godzilla just looks like Godzilla. Which, granted, you need in your Godzilla movie. Yes. But it's still, it's such a stark change where it's like, okay, I've seen this before. Well, another change that you may not have picked up on not having seen a lot of Godzilla movies recently is that the creature in the way it's depicted in this particular film is actually very different from Godzilla as he's normally portrayed. Is it? How so? It is. So, um... Like I said, in the original Godzilla movie, he almost seemed like a weird skeletal figure because they showed him a little, with a lot of backlighting, mainly because the costume looked like shit because it was the 50s and that's the way yeah. they made costumes. Um, but it, it looked like a very bumpy, craggy creature, a lot like Godzilla looks like in this movie. Mm -hmm. They've basically taken a still frame of the original movie and artistically represented that as oh, okay. a new creature. In other Godzilla movies made in between then and now, there has been more of an effort to make him... He's sort of more rubbery. He, he's The green pops a little bit more. They do try and make him look as, as realistically like a creature and less like a rubber suit as possible, but there's more of a personality there. Even in the movies where he's been at his most bestial... He still has like this almost like cat-like nose, like a like a more traditional artistic representation of a dragon from the Japanese culture. Gotcha. Uh, he's <sighs> when you said personality, I was like, what the fuck personality is it? Insouciance? <laughs> like 
No, but these, they they give him like they give him like the big eyes. They give him expressions. They and this is the is, actors get to emote through the costume. That was another huge difference. Is during Derpzilla, he has yeah. very large, white, unblinking eyes, and yes. they become very dark for the transition. Yeah, when he transforms, his eyes are almost un, uh, invisible. They're they're like little specks of light in his head. Sort almost. of like my eyes with my. Uh, overarching brow my, right my yeah. caveman forehead yeah we're we're sitting in the dark right now and i can only see two beams of light shafting exactly. from from pinpricks in brad's face mm -hmm. uh but yeah he's and so when you see again it's they they already took the godzilla fans for a ride a little bit at the beginning with the tail coming up and then suddenly <laughs> just wandering through the streets um but then is that <laughs> is that what got see my derp godzilla is <laughs> Hey everybody! Is, is your Godzilla? <laughs> he's he's so. Is your Godzilla Wario? <laughs> my my uh, commentary track to this movie would just be every time Godzilla's on screen when he's pushing his head through, he's just be like, "God, kill me!" Just like pushing through the street, and then when he stands up, he's just it would just slowly stand up and they'd be hello my baby hello my honey hello my ragtime girl that after godzilla they freeze godzilla once and then he comes back a bit uh that's what they should have had him done is like, uh... <laughs> and then john hurt who was alive at the time the movie would made was made would show up and be like oh no not again what is that a reference to space balls i've never seen space balls but i've been worried about watching space balls because when I tell people I haven't seen Spaceballs, their reaction is, you haven't seen Spaceballs, uh -huh. but if I watch Spaceballs and don't like it, then their reaction is, you don't like Spaceballs? <laughs> Which is the reaction whenever I tell someone I don't like a Christmas story. Right. Uh, Spaceballs, I think, is funnier when you're a kid, but I do think it's, it's a legitimately fun comedy. It's definitely one of his more... Uh, family-friendly movies. It's it was it's part of the transition of Mel Brooks from transgressive satirist to mm -hmm. Dracula Dead and loving it. Yeah, it's still good. It's still not quite Robin Hood Men in Tights, but it's... I enjoy Robin Hood Men in Tights. Okay, I, think I haven't seen it in a while, but I enjoyed it as a child. It's I enjoyed it as a child too. It's one of the weaker entries in the in the. Uvra. One of the characters' names is Achu, and every time someone says it, they say, God bless you! Yep, and that is character is played by, by Dave Chappelle. a very not-giving-a-shit Dave Chappelle. <laughs> he is very not into the movie that he's in. <laughs> I need to rewatch this movie, apparently. Because <laughs> yeah. I remember a tour de force performance by young <laughs> David Chappelle. Uh, Godzilla's come up, he's twice the size that he was originally, which is, again, an in-joke to being twice his original size from the original movie. Um, it is now at the 53-minute mark. We're 53 minutes into a two-hour movie, and the military finally does anything. The, the Japanese self-defense force finally starts shooting at Godzilla at 53 minutes into a movie. Half of Tokyo's gone. Yes. <laughs> and... It's and finally. The shot of the new Godzilla after the glow up standing in Sagami Bay mm -hmm. is great. Yes. Like, there are some great shots in this movie. Some fantastic and shots. Like, uh, like I said, I, I did not realize it was CGI. It looked like it was a model yeah. uh, in a uh, forced perspective, like, mm -hmm. mo like a model thing. Yeah. It, was, it looked fantastic. Yeah. 
Right. And and again, the camera work is very intentional in this bit, whereas most of the film has been very staccato in its cinematography. The camera gets shakier and shakier as the as the danger Which increases. I did not care for. There were times mm-hmm. in this movie where it looked like an early two thousand and tens like amateur film. Just oh, okay. the film quality of it. Yeah. At, at other times it was very um, high quality production. Mm-hmm. There were times in this movie where it looks like fucking birdemic. <laughs> I think that's going a bit far. I don't think it's going far enough. <laughs> it looks like it was shot on a flip phone. I mean that's not true. That's not true. That's okay. But yeah, it, there are definitely um, Shaky Cam has its detractors. I don't think it went too far in this movie with it. Part of why the camera becomes shakier in this, in this part of the film, though, is the increasing tension of Godzilla getting closer and closer to the actual government building. It's not the shakiness. It's it's just the quality of the film. Like, oh, okay. It, it's, you know how you can uh, discern the decade of a film by the quality of the stock. Yeah, of course. Um, and And whenever you're watching a foreign film, you always, like usually subtract a couple decades like uh, a European film from the 80s will look like an American film from the 60s yes um, like I said th- there were times when just the film quality not always which yeah. was jarring it looked like an amateur film from the 2010s oh I see what you're saying okay I didn't pick up on that but I, I, I there were a couple times with the CGI where there, sometimes it would be really good and then sometimes it would kind of look like an early 2010. Not even the CGI, film. just the quality of like while there's and like uh, yeah, no, I know what you're saying. I'm okay. just saying I didn't notice that. No, Billy. What I'm trying to tell you <laughs> is that there are times in the movie. <laughs> okay. So Godzilla has emerged from the water. He's yeah. had his glow up. He's quadruple the size of the original Godzilla. Well, twice the size. I I checked my notes. I was wrong gotcha. earlier. Uh, so it's it's there's this in my opinion, wonderful um, uh, mix of the original Godzilla theme and this much more choral score with, you know, the, the all, that's, all that sort of thing going on in the background. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming <laughs> of the Lord. The coming of Godzilla. Um, the coming of Godzilla, by the way, is another porn parody of uh, Godzilla that we won't be talking about on this on this podcast. Um, Godzilla versus Vigilante. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, as we said, the Japanese Special Defense Force mobilize. Uh, they they shoot a whole ton of missiles and, and and such at Godzilla. Absolutely no effect. No effect at all. No effect at all. Godzilla just keeps moving along at his at his glacial pace. Uh, and then the U.S. decides to become involved. And the Japanese allow them to uh, the. U.S. has been on the periphery of yes. this entire thing. Yeah. And the Japanese um, allow, I say allow with air quotes because they don't really have a choice, to uh, let America fly their bombers in and shoot down uh, and some B-2 bombers in and, and start sending they're in some bunker B-2s. buster bombs. They're stealth, they're stealth bombers. Oh, stealth bombers in and they start sending in some bunker buster bombs. Uh, and the shot of Godzilla being hit by the American bombs is fucking fantastic. Yes, it is. It's one so of my cool. favorite shots of the movie. Yeah, uh, and it, they do seem to do something to him. At least it it seems to break apart his skin a little bit. I think there's a shot, if I remember correctly, of like a flood of blood exploding from 
Godzilla's back and cascading down the city, which is another thing that not a lot of kaiju films do. Mm. There are not a lot of films that show the that kind of result from puncturing uh, a monster like that. And, and again, the humanizing of Godzilla, making him a character we can we can identify with. No, but like the idea of such a huge creature bleeding and it being an actual flood of blood. It would have been like a so... Gallagher show. <laughs> be like the worst smelling Gallagher show in the I imagine world. Gallagher's shows smell pretty fucking bad giving they smell like given sweat the pe- and desperation is given what they the smell people like. who would be fans of Gallagher <laughs> I imagine it sounds like it smells like um stale Miller light and just like <laughs> cigarettes and that's just him <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, Gallagher fucking roasted. <laughs> but this is the part where Gujira starts evolving again, right? This is when he gets all disco ball. So yes, he gets a little bit disco ball here. So obviously, a big part of uh, Godzilla's um, mythos is his atomic breath. In the original film, it was just like a wind effect, and things melted. In the later on movies, it got more and more um, comic booky, just giant flame laser lightning bolt effect which and we get all of that except for the lightning bolt we get the flame and we get the laser oh yeah and this movie takes it to the nth degree and this is part of where i enjoy the movie not necessarily because it's artistically brilliant which i think it is but this is a part of the movie i just love because it's so fucking cool it is cool (laughs) it's great when he starts to glow all purple and like the lasers start to shoot out but my problem was and it's almost beautiful in the yes. movie. Uh, just the it's co- apocalyptic is it's what a, it is. It's apocalyptic. It's the the shade of purple is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. But the movie does not linger on it. Which okay. I wanted like I want show me this beautiful devastation. Don't cut to helicopters, don't cut to whatever the fuck else. Right. Let's revel in this moment of mm-hmm. the beauty of the destroyer. Sure. And it does not. By the time it goes back and sort of lingers on it, it's mm-hmm. almost the initial impression is worn off. Let me see this pure metamorphosis. Let me just see it uncut. Mm-hmm. Like, this was would have been my favorite part of the movie if they did not cut to, like, oh, my God, what's he go- doing? What's going on? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I, I loved it, but it, it just did not focus on it. And I understand that, the again, it's the Jaws philosophy of we have to turn away from the monster so it's scarier. Yeah. But here, I wanted to see it. Yeah. I wanted to see everything make this a beautiful devastation yeah yeah i think the idea again is to cut to the humans because they are the characters in the film godzilla is not a character in this film unlike most other movies i don't say that to disregard what you're saying i think that was the intention of the filmmaker and why they cut away from it but i think that you're right in this case that i would have preferred but that is also just me being a Godzilla fanboy. I really want to see Godzilla uh, being cool, being awesome. Yeah. And in this movie, he's definitely not the Godzilla, the rock star, as he's often shown in these movies, where it's like, yeah, he's kind of an asshole and he blows up Tokyo, but so fucking sick, dude. <laughs> like a lot of Godzilla movies are made so when he blows up a building, you go, oh. This movie is made so he blows up a building, you go, oh. Oh, <laughs> no, Gojira. No. no, don't do that. 
but it's 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 what we do see of it is still like awe-inspiring. It's it's beautiful. It's it, it, you, you the fire is focused into a laser beam. The the shots of the city on fire were perfect. Oh my god, they were so beautiful, and that's. And it also has more power than any other Godzilla, because usually Atomic Breath only destroys what's directly in front of Godzilla in these movies. This one shoots out and just cuts down anything in its path mm-hmm. in the entire island of Japan, essentially. See, this is another tact where if the movie was, in my opinion, yeah, more focused on trying to be a single thing or more... Just more dedicated to a single tact is the idea of Godzilla as a thing of beauty. Yeah, is such an interesting concept. Yeah, um, but isn't it awesome that we can have these conversations about a goddamn Godzilla movie? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I'm not. I would never. You were not wrong for choosing this movie. Right. This is not the, objectively. This is not a bad movie. Right. This is just a movie that I did not enjoy. Fine. Because it did not. It felt unfocused for the things I was looking for. Sure, sure. And a movie does not have to be what I am looking for. Right. That is not the job of the movie. The movie mm-hmm. exists as it does. Yeah. Um, but as it exists, it did not engage or fulfill me as a watcher. Yeah. But there were elements that absolutely did. Yeah. And this was one of them. Mm-hmm. And I, I would love to see a beautiful Godzilla movie. Yeah, there, there was... Um... A, a series of anime, Godzilla anime, that were released by Toho more recently, mm-hmm. since they can't make live-action ones with the legendary contract, they made some Godzilla animes. I've heard that they're terrible, but the concept behind them and the plot is more what you're talking about, where it's a, almost a, po- a post-apocalyptic thing where humanity tries to escape from Earth because the kaiju have essentially replaced them. There's no way for humanity to continue living with the way that the monsters are gotcha. and they leave earth and then they come back and then they try and live underground and all this shit is going on and well that's sort of a concept that is sort of teased in this movie because there's a talk of that godzilla could propagate yes and become a they force talk... that destroys the entire world again much like in the um the matthew broderick godzilla movie uh, they talk about him reproducing asexually, but unlike in that one where he essentially, I guess, masturbates onto his own eggs or something. I don't know what they were trying to go for in that movie. Uh, ripping off Jurassic Park, that's it. But anyway, um, instead, the idea is that... <laughs> now I'm imagining John Hammond like jerking <laughs> off onto a bunch of scrambled eggs. <laughs> I'm going to make so many dinosaurs! Dinosaurs! (laughs) Welcome to Jurassic... (laughs) I never wanted to think about... R.I.P. John Hammond. (laughs) R.I.P. John Hammond. (laughs) What the fuck was I talking about? The implication is that because Godzilla keeps mutating, he would inevitably mutate into a point where he could almost separate by mitosis. Mm Mm-hmm. He could separate into a new god. Like, there could be just suddenly two Godzillas there. They also float the idea that it could grow wings. It could. Which I would fucking love to see, a goddamn winged Godzilla. That I think that is something that could have made the movie even better for me, is they start out by faking you out that... With oh, the Derpzilla. With the Derpzilla, and then they turn into a more traditional Godzilla. I would have loved 
if in the third act he just started growing even bigger and they created a new version of Godzilla even more crazy than what they've already done and made just like a super bat wing spines on its head fucking I don't know just go fucking nuts you know what I would have loved to see yeah a super fast like spider leg Godzilla ooh that would have been interesting yeah yeah, well, I mean, legendary, get on that. Yeah, this is your this is your chance. Let's travel to Japan and just <laughs> yell at some Japanese people <laughs> until they make us the Godzilla movie we want. <laughs> but yeah, so, um, however, uh, using the atomic breath does deplete Godzilla's energy core to use, and so having run down on his energy, he just kind of rests. But during his rampage, he kills the Prime Minister oh, of yeah. Japan. Uh, that's right. He, As I mentioned, he, they were getting closer to the government building. At the last possible second, the government tries to evacuate the building, including the Prime Minister. But in Godzilla's shooting of the atomic breath, he takes out most of the high-level government officials, including mm-hmm. the Prime Minister. They end up having to elect a low-level... Uh, a very of, sad sack man. A very sad sack man. Who uh, has my favorite line of the movie after he becomes the new prime <laughs> minister. Was that? The noodles got soggy. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I, the noodles got soggy. I knew this job wouldn't be easy. <laughs> that That is an amazing line. I do love that line. But yeah, he's he does not want this job. He's been forced into it because in the line of succession, he's the next one up. Mm-hmm. Um... So he ends up becoming the new prime minister, and he's... The movie, in, in with that scene, you almost feel like he's going to be a comedy relief character or something like that. But no, he's actually treated with a lot of respect. He does he, the best he can with the job that he has. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's And I liked his character. Like I said, he's a bit yeah. of a sad sack. Um, yeah. Because who wouldn't be in this situation? Yeah. Um, this is one of the only bits where there is uh, an, some, some emotion allowed to be shown with... The upper echelons of government completely gone. There's, you see the characters, a lot of the characters going through a lot of confusion, mm-hmm. a lot of desperation. There are even shots of some of the government officials, the named government officials that we know on the news, looking at the devastation and just becoming overcome with how completely fucked up the situation has gotten. So again, probably didn't work for you, but for me, it, it did work because we've been so cold for so long have hit this moment of desperation where all of it feels like all of the systems are breaking down as these people are breaking down it did not work for me but also as i told you i think off recording yeah. is as i was watching this i was recording i was typing notes on my laptop yeah and i would get and this is bad form for me okay i will for uh freely admit but i would get distracted by things on my laptop okay um so i i did not really get that sense of emotion from the government officials mm-hmm. uh it, it's it, very it just, it's very subtle but it, you know. it it just again it's a thing that didn't work for me and it, it's it could be extremely powerful and well we'll get to it what, what i'm about to talk about is okay. the united states's solution to what to do about godzilla yeah so the united states uh in a very United States way of doing things. Um, they hear about the fact that Godzilla is ever evolving. They hear about their bombers getting shot down. 
and the fact that Godzilla could reproduce asexually. And they inform Japan, they do not ask Japan, they inform Japan, we're going to drop a nuke on it. You have this many days to do whatever you're going to do. They give them a week, I think. Uh, at or two one, weeks. I at think. one point, um, it said that Godzilla will resume activity in 15 days. Okay. And this movie, in retrospect, after I finished watching it, and reminded me a lot of the Steven Soderbergh movie Contagion. I haven't seen it. It's fine. Okay. It's nothing special, but it's it's very much like that where it's there's a threat and we are taking a long view of it. Yes. 15 days especially in a movie where the passage of time is not well communicated. True. Um does not lend any immediacy to a threat mm-hmm. in a movie like this. Yeah. Even like in a monster movie especially like the monster needs to be an immediate threat. Like it, it, you, you can't be like Oh, yeah, in 15 days, we're going to have a problem with mm-hmm. goddamn King Kong. Yeah. Um, in, But even as a geopolitical thriller satire thing, the immediacy stops there. And granted, sure. there is the idea of like, okay, we need to come up with the Godzilla cure, but it, it, it didn't work. So I made a note of 15 days specifically because okay. that is too long but here's the thing about the united states dropping the nuke on godzilla okay there is emotional reaction to it yes the japanese are are not happy about it extremely upset but and maybe it is just because of japanese culture and japanese behavior it felt like it should have been leaned into a lot more than it is like Mm -hmm. there is impact felt but this is a huge thing yeah. Another nuclear bomb is going to be dropped on Japan. Mm-hmm. It, it, I did not feel the insult. Yeah. The threat. Yeah. The horror. Mm-hmm. Just, just the idea of like, fuck, this is happening again. Right. Not only are we dealing with this monster, but the United States are doing this thing again. And we have no choice. We have no choice. I never felt that. Okay. And that was an incredibly interesting aspect of the movie to me. That's when, like, I started to perk up again. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. This is incredibly interesting. This is an amazing Mm -hmm. approach for this movie. Yeah. But it never went far enough for me. Fair enough. I I felt that it it did. I, 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 I agree that it could have gone farther. But I felt like with the parameters of the world that they'd set up, it would have been out of character for the movie at this point to completely break with what it had done before. Uh, to have like a character just go ah, and throw a filing cabinet across the room or something like that. I don't need that. I don't okay. need like people sobbing. But I need more... And granted, maybe I just want more direct exposition of people's feelings where it's like... Okay. Where we're going to just like hang the lantern and obviously be like, this is fucked up. It's mm-hmm. happening again. Right. But I needed something more. I felt like... I felt the emotion in a... I guess I would call it an English way. It felt like that all that was being communicated, the insult especially, the, mm-hmm. the, the horror... The, 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 the insult came through more than anything. Yeah. But like it was... I felt like it was being communicated in a way that... I would imagine, like, a, a, a British 
politician would react to it if I that makes that. any sense no it, stiff it, upper lip approach it does to the worst thing you've ever heard and again that's japanese culture which is yes. very on the face very very bowing stoic. sorry that yes. sort of thing, yeah there's a great line around this part of the movie that i think sums up the kind of the message of the whole piece and that is uh post-war remains forever that is a great line yeah and it's just get kind of like really digs into what i was talking about with the constitution with like the reason it communicating not only is the japanese government this way but it's this way for a reason mm -hmm. and the reason is they've been they're not allowed to be their own nation under certain to a certain extent uh, Japan nowadays, we don't look at Japan nearly with as much of the negative light as we often look at Germany when it comes to world, our World War II history. We kind of see Japanese, the ja Japan almost as like a, a, a cuddly ally. Japan now. is the wacky neighbor. Yeah, Japan is our wacky neighbor, exactly. But there's the reason why Japan is our wacky neighbor is because... Um, not that they would ever try and conquer the world again. I mean, who knows if what would happen if history was different. We don't know. Um, but they have been only allowed to exist given certain parameters. And uh, they've... They're, and so there's, there's a younger generation growing up in Japan now that weren't there for the atomic bomb strikes that didn't have all that post-war guilt that the generation that signed that constitution had that are looking at where Japan is as a country and are like, why is this the way that it is? Why are we here? Mm -hmm. Why is, why must we always be paying for this Japanese thing, sins of our ancestors? And again, I think that speaks a lot to Japanese culture, where it's yeah. like, this thing happened and now we have yeah. to carry it forever. Yeah, exactly. But you raise another interesting point is... Japan also committed horrific war crimes. They did. They were actually historically they there are times when they were worse than Germany. They were terrible. Yes, especially yeah. against the Chinese. Oh yes. Um but we never discuss that. We don't. We it's always the focus on the Holocaust, mm -hmm. which should be focused on. Yes. But we never bring up the Japanese incursion into China. The way a lot of media portrays it, you could absolutely forgive like a, a child growing up in this country to believe that world war ii was entirely against the germans mm -hmm. if they didn't see pearl harbor they would just assume you know well even pearl harbor is really just the tip of the iceberg yeah it's it was but pearl uh, harbor is the only japanese pearl harbor and the atomic bombs are the only things that get brought up in regular conversation true in world war ii and the atomic bombs we in america don't even usually talk about Unless, we talk you're, about uh, it in the context of like, hey, we fucking did that. Hey, we fucking Let's did that. Let's do it to them Arabs. And now we have to deal with the atomic bombs from Russia. Uh, but we don't, yeah, we don't really talk about that shit. And it's it's interesting to see it from the perspective of this younger generation in Japan. Mm. Now, yeah, absolutely. Japan in World War II, they acted monstrously. I think we can agree on that. Yeah. It's a historical fact. And... Um, uh, the debate on whether or not it was right to drop an atomic bomb on them. It was not. Okay, good. We can all agree. Then. <laughs> all right. Uh, but uh, it, it has been a debate for a long time among a it lot of people. It was a show of force. It was definitely, yeah, it was absolutely a show of force. It's like, you're going to Pearl Harbor us, we're going to do it way worse, and to civilians instead of to military people. Yes. 
Um, it, it, so there's a lot of debate there, but, but as to understand where this movie is coming from, you have to understand that this is being made by the new generation of Japanese filmmakers coming up, having not had a part in the previous generation's problems, mm-hmm. and just being like, why are we still paying for this? Why, are, like, and they don't have, they have uh, social inequalities in Japan that they have to deal with, with marginalized groups in Japan, just like every other nation. But unlike the Germans, they don't have to drive by Auschwitz every day to go into work and be reminded constantly, oh yeah, we're the worst. Yeah. I feel like German has a much stronger sense of national guilt than Japan does these days about yeah. its part in World War Two. Partially because we all focus on them so fucking much. True. Yeah. Uh, and also just the idea, enduring ideology of Nazism, yes. which is still present today. Very much so. Um, it's not as... Japan does not have an equivalency of that. No. They, they had um, samurai, antiquated samurai honor codes being invoked to try and force their soldiers into believing that suicide was honorable. Mm-hmm. It's possible we may talk about Men Behind the Sun at some point. Okay, I'm not familiar with that movie. That is a very... It's uh, a very gory, disturbing films about a film about uh, Japanese experimentation on the Chinese populace during Jesus. World War II. Okay. Uh, Unit 731, stuff mm. like that. Mm. Um, I don't know that we will discuss it, but it's something that will be considered. Great. Okay. I'm, I'm down. Um, but yeah, so... It, again, a lot of things to think about, and again, we're, we'll, if you're just joining us, we're watching a Godzilla movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and in the, so they're they're trying to rush to fi- they they figured out from the doctor's notes what they've been able to to decipher that if they can create a coagulant, they can use the creature's own self cooling system against it. They can freeze it. This is the part where I completely lost any thread. Of yeah. what was going on. I will admit this is a bit where it became difficult for me. Technobabble is the death of sci-fi. <laughs> Cowl scientist is like, origami! And they start folding a paper. Yes, they figure out, this is a little bit forward, but they figure out how to decipher the doctor's code because they realize that he wrote it on origami sculptures and then unfolded them so that you couldn't read it unless you... or. Uh, refolded them into origami. Are you one hundred percent sure this makes sense? I'm pretty sure that's what they are saying. I mean, in the movie. In the movie, no, I don't. Okay, this part is one I can't really defend. I don't know what the fuck they were doing. Okay, I'm glad I'm not the only one <laughs> that was confused to shit by this. I think they were just looking for a uniquely Japanese answer to the problem, which I appreciate. Origami is a Japanese thing. I, I enjoyed when Tal scientist said origami. It, it was that fun. was a nice moment. It, but they might as well have just found the answer by fucking cutting bonsai trees for all the sense it fucking makes. <laughs> uh, tentacles. Tentacles raping women. <laughs> he just yells, Yowie! <laughs> Boy, you love who! <laughs> and again, this is. I don't know. It, it, it just. It doesn't work you, for me. You I do not like the movie. It's okay. <laughs> I No, I have no problem with that. It's yeah. like. But I wish I under... Like, I get the bottom line is that they're going to freeze Godzilla. Yes, that is the bottom but line. But I wish I understood the process that 
took them there. Right. So I can, like, celebrate with them when they figure yeah. it out. Essentially, they're using multimodal reflection sorting to reverse the polarity of the neutron flow with a neogenic recombinator. And that's what they're going to do it. Exactly. Right. Uh, <laughs> but here's the... Th okay, and here's a legitimate gripe I have with this movie. It, it maybe takes five... It took me two seconds to say that. And that meant nothing. Mm -hmm. But, like, they took... It feels like 45 minutes. It feels like 45 minutes to say that. This is, might have been the part where I started going at 1.5 speed. How could you hear any of the dialogue at 1.5 speed? I had to speed? stop because I couldn't read the fucking <laughs> subtitles because it was going so fast. It's so fast. But, okay, and then another little bit, which I, I don't know if this is intentional, but I saw it as another part of the almost transgressive quality of the film in Critiquing America the final answer, the, they're able to get the answer in time with the American deadline because of Germany. France. Well, France. France develops the coagulant for them, but they get the answer about how to develop the coagulant in the first place from Germany. Okay, but France also helps them delay with the United States, don't they? Yeah, France is what helps them delay the timer with the United States, but before that they get the answer about how to make the coagulant from the Germans. Okay, they get the... So, in other words, the Axis powers teaming up again. Yay! <laughs> to defeat Godzilla. Guess who just got back today? Them wild-eyed boys that have been away. <laughs> and then, yes, uh, the France, uh, along with uh, Miss Patterson... Get, they get the coagulant from China. Oh yes, so that's like, right. If, the... if we if you'll pay for it now, we'll give you like five tanker trucks. Right. They get the coagulant from China. France helps them to delay the deadline with the United States, also with the help of Miss Patterson, mm -hmm. who uses her connections. Who is she meets with somebody on a plane? Was that supposed to be her father? I thought that was supposed to be President Ross. It was not President no, Ross. No, because President Ross was in the White House. I think that was her father then. Because she refers to him as like Cussler or Cusley or something like that. Oh, okay. I have no idea. Uh, but she, she sort of, like, puts her hand over top of his. Yes. And she, he puts another hand over top of hers. Yeah. Um, not every child has the same name as their father, same last name as their father. So True. So it could be, but this was another unclear thing. Yeah. That did not help build any emotion or character. Sure. Uh, but, yes, they, they do uh, figure out how to do it. They get the timeline somewhat extended. And just as Godzilla is starting to wake up, they rush forward with these tanker trucks. And here's another bit that is, I think, not as much for the artistic merit, but just for the Godzilla fans. 62 years before this movie was made, Godzilla was created. And he started attacking Tokyo. And mm -hmm. he's been stomping Tokyo and kicking Tokyo's ass. He picks up a bus... And he throws it back down throws it, yeah. as he wades his way into the center of town. Yes. Go, go, Godzilla. Go, go, Godzilla. For 62 years. Finally, after all this time, the city of Tokyo fights back. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> this is the first and only time a city has fought Godzilla directly. It's not just like they have drones coming in to shoot at him and they have trucks shooting the coagulant into his mouth every time he falls down. But they literally, like, the famous thing is Godzilla walking through and tearing down the train tracks. Mm -hmm. They send the trains send to Godzilla train. with bombs to attack him. They demolish buildings so that they'll fall on top of him. The city of Tokyo literally knocks Godzilla out. It's, and it's fucking awesome. I did enjoy this part. Yeah. What I did not enjoy was the parts where they defeated Godzilla the same way you make a dog take its medicine. <laughs> 
where it's just like, okay, we got it down. We got to spray the shit in its mouth now. <laughs> that was kind of lame for me. I I liked it. It's I it's, a more, it's a more realistic way it, of going about it. It is, but mm-hmm. I don't need. I don't necessarily need realism in a Godzilla film. I mean, the Granted, blob was taken this... down by fucking fire extinguishers, so... Yeah, let's not use the blob as an example of good filmmaking. It is a great movie! <laughs> I've never seen it, to it's... be fair to the blob and Steve McQueen. <laughs> R.I.P. R.I.P. Steve McQueen. Uh, but yeah, um... Y- y- yeah, it's, it's not as much of an action-packed climax as most Godzilla movies. I-, I didn't completely hate it. I was just distracted by how much it reminded me of making a dog take its medicine. <laughs> the only thing that could have been better is if they were like, let's put the coagulant in a pat of butter and just, like, feed it to Godzilla. And he's like, mm, butter. <laughs> it's just sort of... Oh, no! You tricked me! <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so they, they're literally throwing buildings and trains at Godzilla to beat the shit out of him, and then finally they shove a bunch of toothpaste in his mouth, mm-hmm. and he dies. Well, he, he gets frozen. No, my cavities! <laughs> and almost immediately after, they find out that apparently, against all logic, the fallout from Godzilla's presence in New York, in, in Tokyo is actually much less than they would have expected. The isotope has a half-life of... Hold on. Just put your notes away, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I don't even have specifics. <laughs> uh, the isotope of Godzilla's radiation has an incredibly short half-life that yes. should be disappeared within two years. And this is the first smile that we get from Japanese Daria. And I with relief when she realizes fucking that. love that touch. That's you do? Because it was it was intentionally made by um, Goro Maki. Right. To have that short half life. And th- like it was a it was a gambit on his part. If they had nuked Godzilla, mm. things would have been much worse. But oh. It, yeah. I didn't think about this. Yes, if they had nuked him, yeah. that would have ended things. Like that would have progressed things in the wrong direction. Right. Um, so he was still holding on to that post-war, he had that post-war bitterness of yeah. not, we are sad, we should be shameful, but yes. we were, we might have, we did bad things, mm-hmm. but we did not deserve the attack on our civilians like we got. Right. So the idea that they would, if anyone were to try that again, against mm-hmm. this thing I've created, that is going to destroy the world. Right. But if you find another solution, if you can crack my puzzle, riddle me this, Batman. <laughs> if you can find out the the origami puzzle I've left behind. But if you can find another solution, yeah, there will be destruction, but you will heal, yeah, and you will heal quickly, yeah. I love that touch. That is that is beautiful. I didn't it, think about that. It's a wonderful sentiment. Yeah. And again, there, uh, I didn't hate this movie. Right. I yeah. just did not particularly like the you tone. You weren't into it. Yes. Yeah. Um, but there were touches of brilliance. Yes. And that was one thing I loved. Okay. I didn't even pick up on that, so I, I'm glad that you brought that in. Um, but yeah, so so there's obviously a big death toll, but Godzilla is frozen solid. Uh, and now they just have this permanent Godzilla statue. They just have a permanent Godzilla there. They, there is, they realize that Godzilla will eventually unfreeze. He's essentially unkillable. So eventually Godzilla will unfreeze and he will become a problem again. And they don't know what they're going to do when that happens. 
but they figure they'll deal with it when it when it happens. Yanaguchi and Kayoko um, mm-hmm. have a little moment at the end they where do. I'm I was I always think about um, when men and women characters in movies do not like hook up. Yes. I always think about when we saw Into the Spider-Verse and how happy Kaylee was that Gwen Stacy and Miles Morales did not kiss at it's, the end. It's fucking unbelievable that they didn't kiss at the end of that movie. And I, it was it was great. It was, it was. great that they didn't. It was. But I always think about how happy Kaylee was. So whenever it seems like two characters should hook up. Or they would in any traditional And they movie, don't. Yeah. I always think about Kaylee. Oh. And I, I thought about it here because there's there's chemistry between the two, sure. But they don't like, hey, let's go fuck. Right. It, instead, it's like, hey, when I'm president and you're prime minister, yeah. we're gonna make a good team. Yeah. And that's it's into the Spider Verse again. Right. Um. And that was great. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I thought it was. I thought it was. It was, it was a very solid ending. And then, they've they've. They've made their little jokes, their little uh, ha ha should be rolling, and then the camera pans in to Godzilla's tail and pans up, and then we see I don't know what humanoid monsters, humanoid, almost skeletal creatures crawling, frozen, in mid crawling out of the tip of Godzilla's tail. They were about to emerge, about to emerge, and then the film stops. And, and I it, love that shot. Oh my god. It's is so it... interesting. It's yeah. so I want to see what happens next. Right. But we never will. We probably never will. They probably will never make a sequel to this. They had some talks early on. The creator of this is again a very artsy type of guy. He made the Unjustice Evangelion. He suffers from depression. He doesn't like to talk about sequels right after making something. And he says if they're gonna make any kind of Godzilla thing, they're gonna make it in twenty twenty one. He doesn't know if he's gonna be involved. And Toho is talking about doing a shared universe thing. So who knows what the fuck they're going to do next. But it's an interesting idea. It's, it's such an it's... interesting idea. And that was that was the one thing that I kind of got out of that special feature on the, on the Blu-ray where they were discussing it. Uh, is that someone said, they talk about Godzilla replacing us. What if this means actually deliberately one-on-one re- like the thing that would be us. incredible like a uh, the thing or pod people yes. or something like invasion yeah. of the body snatchers yep. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that would be i would love that yeah i would love if there was a frozen godzilla in the center of tokyo yep that was sort of this looming reminder of what happened and sort of covertly these godzilla spawn were infiltrating society as a sequel that would be unprecedented as a Godzilla film. Yeah, no, that would be truly transgressive in the Godzilla canon. And that would be fucking awesome. I would would go broke buying tickets for that movie. Amazing. Yeah. I would absolutely... Hey, Toho. Please. God, this is awesome. Hey, Toho! Hey, Toho! What the fuck are you doing? Hey! We want a skeletal... (laughs) Eldritch Godzilla sequel. Give me some of that uh, skeletal Zilla shit. So is there anything else you'd like to say about Shin Godzilla? Um, oh, you never, you talked to me about it, but what does Shin Godzilla mean? Oh, oh yeah, I had that in my notes here. They named it Shin Godzilla because Shin is one of those words in Japanese that means a couple different things. Uh, it means true, it means new, so it could be interpreted as the true Godzilla or the new, the new Godzilla. Godzilla. Uh, but my favorite translation is that actually means God, which means that the film's title could be translated as God Godzilla, which I enjoy 
uh, how pointless that is. I enjoyed it. Too. <laughs> uh, is there anything else you'd like to say about Shin Godzilla? Uh, just that I, uh, if you are a kaiju fan, I would definitely recommend doing giving it a shot just to see how. It, it's kind of like for me, this movie is a lot like when Logan came out, in that um, you you as a, as a nerd, I've seen so many takes on the superhero movie. I've seen it done to absolute death. And then you get to see Logan, which takes it and takes it in such a completely different direction and takes it... A very real direction. A very, a very, a very yes. uh, grounded in reality, grounded in emotion. Yes, it almost trans, it almost transgresses the, the genre entirely. Like, I've heard people who, who can't even call it a superhero movie or a comic book movie because it's just so... It's based on comic books, mm-hmm. but it's so completely alien to that world. And that's what this felt like to me, taking a kaiju movie and taking it so seriously and taking it not paying much, aside from a couple of in-jokes, not really taking paying much lip service to the genre itself and taking it in such a unique and alien direction to the genre that it becomes something else entirely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you for bringing uh, Shin Godzilla. No problem. Next week we're going to talk about Three Giant Men, which is also called... Three Devadam. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's a movie where Spider-Man, Captain America, and the Mexican wrestler Santo mm-hmm. team up to help Istanbul. Actually, it's a movie where Captain America and Santo team up to defeat the evil crime lord rapist known as Spider-Man. Oh, okay. Yeah. I did not realize. <laughs> I thought it was all three of them uh, nope. going up against... Great. I can't wait to watch it. Spider-Man is an evil crime lord rapist man. <laughs> Which he was bitten by a rapist spider. <laughs> sure. And uh, that's sure. what happened. That's what happened. But uh, please join us next time for please 1000 do. Lives of Weird. I can't fucking wait. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye.